1: The Boss Man Show going to West Virginia State University. Talk to Coach Brian Poor, who's been there for 25 years, coaching those guys up there up very well. Coach Poor, talk to you on the Boss Man Show. I, you're a legend in the NEC, man. So I had to have you on the show, man.
2: I, and I appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to um, get our story out, that's for sure. West Virginia State University.
1: And Coach Amelkis, I mean, man, you know, this business that we have with college basketball, college coaching longevity you have been going into your 25th season here at west virginia State university and where guys sometimes only have two years or three years tonight, and they're out so how have you feel to be able to be this one place this long with longevity where administrations who support you and
2: knows your vision and knows what you're going to do for these young men who, who come to your university absolutely i mean it's been a blessing um you know i spent um Three years at a Division I school before uh, I got the job here at West Virginia State. I was at Marshall University. Uh, Six years, I was at one of our rival schools, University of Charleston, down the road here, too, uh, prior to getting to West Virginia State. So, you know, I had some previous experience. Uh, And then, you know, we got it rolling pretty good from, like, 2004 to 2010-11. We were pretty much the best team in the league every year. Um, won five championships in that run as well in NCAA tournament five times. Had a few, you know, inquiries of some small division ones, you know, interested in me and what have you. But to be honest with you, I, you know, I, it, that just wasn't what I, I wanted to do um, for a couple of reasons. One, I spent the three years at Marshall and I knew what division one was about. And it's extremely cutthroat and very little. A very little job security. Uh, so, you know, that was a big part of it. But then also, you know, my wife and I are from here. And so both of our parents were here and we had kids um, growing up with their grandparents right here. And I just didn't feel like moving them around all over the country and taking them away from their grandparents and that opportunity for our family. So, you know, I just made a decision that uh, I graduated from West Virginia State. Uh, I'm from here. This is home for me. And and this is where I wanted to be, you know, for, for the longevity that you're you're talking about. And then I've just been blessed enough to 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 go through uh what is it now, five different presidents and four different ADs, and um all of them have been extremely supportive of me. And um, so it's been a blessing to be able to stay here for twenty five years and counting, by the way.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Stay there as long, long as you can, coach. You know, Coach Weskis, man, for, for you. Being, being, being going to school there, being part of the community, I feel like it's so important when you have people who really understand the fabric of the university and understand the fabric of the community. You have connect people in the community to be part of West Virginia State family, the Yellow Jacket family, and Jacket Nation. Like that's that support is so important, especially D two. We we don't have as much money as D one level does. The community support is so important for you all to sustain and and be able to do what you
2: need to do for your players. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, You know, being from the community, I you know, I've got a lot of um, supporters, you know, just that come to the games, but also financial supporters that, you know, help us run a first class program. I mean, you know, we're going back to the Virgin Islands again this year. We went there last year and won the tournament over there and and they wanted us to come back. So uh, and the year before that, we we went to Hawaii for the second time. We've uh, taken the team to Puerto Rico, to Florida. And, you know, you can't do that. On a Division Two budget, if you don't have uh, the community supporting you and the boosters that are that'll get behind you and and help you be able to do things like that for your program. Yeah, no trips are so fun to go on because they really really help you uh,
1: give give young men an experience and see different things. Because I feel like that's the thing you, when you go from foreign trips, really helping those sometimes help you build a camaraderie. I feel like we got to find things to build team because those team build exercises, while well, they seem small and trivial in, in the moment, but they help build that callous when it's a tough time during the season
2: or a tough game that we're still together and we' are, we are one. Yes, sir. You know, last year when we went to the Virgin Islands, we took them out on a, uh, on a boat tour and did a couple of days. They, they stopped at two different spots and did some snorkeling and uh, saw a big old sea turtle. And, you know, so that was, that was a good time to see those kids out there just having fun. Uh, and then we were able to, you know, put this fun aside and, and win three games and win the tournament. So it was it was a great trip for our whole program.
1: And coach, for you, at, at what point in your career in your life journey you decided you want to become a coach, and and what got you kind of in, into the business of coaching?
2: That's a good question, and um, one I've been asked a lot um, because I did not play college basketball. Uh, and as a matter of fact, um, two days before my senior year in high school, uh, I tore my knee up, and and back in those days uh you know they didn't have these little scope surgeries that they go in there and fix it and you're back to the normal in a couple weeks so uh and then they they got the swelling out of it and let me go back out there and try and then I rolled my ankle on the other foot and I just you know I I had lost everything then and I was just an average player at best and might have been a walk on but what got me into coaching um was when you know, I was actually in in elementary school when Uh, here in the Taze Valley area, right outside of Charleston, West Virginia, my father and a group of men started a youth basketball league. And so they decided, which was a great decision, they decided to have the high school players be the coaches as opposed to parents. Because, you know, when parents get involved in midget leagues, it just, it's not good. And so, so they made the decision to have the high school players. So, you know, uh, when I got to high school, um my 10th 11th and 12th grade years I was one of the major league basketball coaches in the area and to be honest with you that's what kind of spurred me wanting to be a coach and um so it dates back to you know my 10th grade in high school and we were also fortunate enough to win it two out of three years um so that was good but that's what spurred my wanting to coach and um so so tribute to my dad and the men that Started the Youth Basketball League that um, inspired me to be
1: a coach. And, Coach, I'll tell you, I'm a coach's son as well. You know, my, my father will be 85 years old on next Saturday. So he he got me loving ball and he coaching. And I see how on Father's Day his phone blows up and he's always asking to take him to a different baby shower or wedding or when his players have an event. So I see how much impact he had on his players, how even now and there's some of them in their 50s. Still call on him and on his advice, want his counsel.
2: Absolutely. And I, I, tell our guys all the time that the, the joy of me and this profession uh, for me and his possession is the relationships that you build um, with your players. And, and I'm the same way, you know, father's day and my birthday and all those things, Christmas. And, you know, I love getting the texts and the Facebook messages and all those things. Um, we have one of our players that uh, got selected to go up to the HBCU all-star dream classic um, a couple weeks ago in Rucker park. Uh, Glenn Abram uh, got selected to play in that. So I went up there to support him. And, you know, one of our former players is the assistant women's coach at LIU Brooklyn. And of course he comes over and hangs out with me and, uh, at the game, goes to dinner, and those are the things, the lifelong relationships that you build in this profession. The wins and the championships are great, and, you know, I, I, they're awesome, but they're memories. You know, they're memories. The relationships last a lifetime, and and that's what is really special to to be in this coaching profession.
1: And, Coach, you saw me as a player going back to homecoming at Tennessee State, talking about my team, talking to my teammates, and talking about, one of the worst things that ever happened to us was, was, was well went to the tournament but one of our one of our players uh came up high on a non shooter. I don't know what he was doing, he got back. because we lost. But we still get on him every about that back. What are you doing? The non shooter. Why are you going up on a non shooter? He got back, but <laughs> we always get on every homecoming about it, uh, but but those are the memories that we have. We laugh by it now, but at the time, it was angry. But you know, we laugh by those things now and have a that fellowship with each other at every homecoming.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We're we're getting ready to have a homecoming here in a couple weeks, so a bunch of the guys are trying to get you know an alumni game or uh, get a run in while they're here. So I'm trying to organize that. And,
1: and Coach, best gets man, for for those listening to this interview in Atlanta. And on my Roku stations and screens beyond, what is the pillars of your program, West Virginia State? What kind of young man do you look for to want to be a? you want to be a part of Yellow Jacket Nation? This
2: program you have going. Yeah, you know, we we really we press and run, we play fast. So you know, we like versatile, athletic guys is is what we really look for as far as on the court. Um, you know, and, and I think last year we were sixth in the country in scoring average 88 points a game. So we like to get it up and down. And, and like I said, we like versatile players. So on the, on the athletic side, that's what we look for. But, you know, I, I really think, um, you know, you really got to look at character um, whenever you're recruiting a young man and you got to make sure that he's going to fit in uh, the locker room uh, with the other players that you've got in the program. And, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, you're with these guys so much that, you know, you really want people that you enjoy being around. Um, so, you know, uh, I like, I like guys that are, are committed, um, obviously, um, but, you know, are grounded and, and, and are, you know, and can carry on conversation and, and, and can, you know, have some enjoyable times around them, not just on the court. Um, and so I think, you know, we really look at character a whole lot more, um, nowadays than what we did back in the day, I guess you would say.
1: And, Coach, do you feel with the NIL transfer portal at D1 level that you're allowing you to get yourself your hands on better high school guys who typically would get ate up by a low major D1, but now since they want non commodities, older guys for most part you can get you a good high school player that you can develop in your program and we can help you all keep this thing going you have going in West Virginia State.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, the COVID thing is the thing that's really just kind of backed everything up. Uh, when the NCAA gave everybody back their COVID year, uh, then, you know, all those guys are still cycling out. We've got one in our program now that has one more year left due to COVID. And and so after this year, I think all the COVID guys will be cycled out. So then the scholarships will go back to normal, you know, because, you know, the NCAA did allow you, the school, to – If a kid was coming back as a COVID year, you didn't have to count that scholarship against your maximum amount of scholarships. However, division two schools don't have enough money to give you another one. Uh, So we were still stuck with, you know, our 10. And so we had, you know, a lot of our scholarships didn't open up. And, and so the COVID year thing uh, will, will help kind of balance everything out us. Now we, you know, the thing that's the transfer portal, I think has changed the most is that, you know, number one, you got to recruit your own players every year. And and so you got to, you know, at the end of the year, you got to make sure that, you know, they're going to stick with you, they're going to come back. But I've always, at the end of the year, given guys opportunity to transfer. Because if you don't want to be here, you're not going to be productive, and I don't want you here. And and so I've always allowed guys to leave at the end of the year if they wanted to, free, uh, full release and the whole thing. And, and, And so... Um, but but for us, um, we've kind of hit a mixture. I think this year um, we got three guys out of the portal, uh, two freshmen, and then two junior college transfers. So we've kind of hit a little bit of everything. Uh, the other thing that it does do, is it, you got to recruit every position every year because you just don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year and who's going to decide, well, you know, I want to get back closer to home or what have you. Uh, so it's really hard to kind of, Forecast. I'm going to need a point guard in this class and a two guard in this class because really, you know, you got to kind of recruit every position so that you're ready um, in case somebody decides to leave.
1: 100%. And, Coach, for those who don't understand it like I do, something about the MEC and about how tough a brand of basketball that conference is and about the history of that conference.
2: Yeah, you know, the MEC is, I think, what, 10, 12 years old now. And prior to that, we were the WVIAC, um, which was a great, you know, it, it dates all the way back to the NAIA days. And then the whole league went Division Two, And then with, you know, the realignments and all that, we started this new league called the Mountain East. But for the most part, it still has um, most of the members that was in the WVIC. Um, but the Mountain East Conference is an extremely difficult conference. It's, um, you know, West Liberty this year played in the national championship game, Division Two. Um, and like I say, I think we finished sixth in the country in scoring, but we were third in our conference in scoring. Um, and so West Liberty and Fairmont were both ahead of us. And then Glenville, I think was like maybe 10th or 11th. So four out of the top 10 teams in the country in division two scoring was in our conference. Um, and so it's a very. Uh, fast-paced, uh, uh, open-court transition um, style of basketball uh, that I think is really fun to watch. Um, it's enjoyable playing and coaching. Don't see a whole lot of big back-to-the-basket post players. But honestly, the game has kind of evolved away from that anyway. Uh, yes. even, in, even in the NBA, you don't see a Shaq anymore. Um, you know, it's all more – outside in as opposed to, you know, inside-out basketball. And so that's the way our league is from top to bottom pretty much. Um, so I really enjoy competing in it for sure.
1: Yeah, in the NBA, I watch it every night with the Hawks here. You know, you're either going to be rim rolling five or you're going to be a shoot five. So there's no more to <laughs> throw it in on the block and pound, pound away, double team come and find an open shooter and get in rotation. That's the old days over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But it's more, like I said, it's more enjoyable to play fast, play open, and now on defense, you have to be able to switch everything. You got to be versatile. Yeah. You can't just you can't be liability out there no more. You got to be switch everything one through five now, or at least or at least play one through four and drop five.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we like to do as well. So uh, that's what we look when we're recruiting. You know, I want I want bigs that can guard small, and 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 smalls that can guard big. Um, and so this year is probably going to be our tallest team that we've had. We've got. I think I counted up nine guys that are at least six six or above, um, and our point guard is going to be about six two. So, you know, we we've got de- decent size this year.
1: And, and coach, you know what? Ask you this, man. You know, it, it's funny about how all these how the game has changed. I know when I was coming up, I'm almost forty. It was still two bigs out there running these different actions off the baseline with the two bigs or double screening. and it, it, it worked. For you, as, as you've been in basketball these years, coaches, at what point did you decide to move to this to, to this new way of playing ball from, 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 from the old way?
2: I think I may have been ahead of the curve, um, to be honest with you. I mean, because we've never really played in my 25 years here with a back-to-the-basket. I think one year we had to adjust our system a little bit because we had two post players that were pretty good, and we went to a high-low kind of look um, that just maximized our talent for that year. Um, but you know, I, I, I watched the European basketball and brought some of that stuff to our program, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And now to see it kind of come out and, uh, is across the board is, is pretty neat. But some of the actions that are now that, you know, I've been running it for 25 years. So, um, that's the style of play that I like. I don't like to throw it on the block and, you know, everybody stand around. Uh, I like more, um, like I say uh Dribble, drive, kind of stuff, and attack the basket from the outside. I'm with you, coaches. Hey,
1: coach, I was in the corner waiting, waiting on the open three. I was always on the weaker, strong side corner. Hey, give me hey, I'm, I'm praying, throw it in the pocket. I'm, I'm launching it. <laughs> yes, coach, <laughs> so, so I always say, hey, so the ball's in Gerald's hands. Very long. Yep, it's coming to me. <laughs> it's going up. Yes, I knew what my role was: shoot open threes in the corner. I knew what my role hey. was. <laughs> there you go. Man. Up and <laughs> hey, Coach Mask, yes, man. Um, you know, for, for your tell us some guys on your team, that you want to really highlight for us listeners to know about who to watch out for. I'm talking about how my listeners really message you guys this year. So, what's some guy that they should look for when they watch a game this year, Coach?
2: Yeah, you know, like I say, there, um, our COVID guy that is still around that I was talking about is a guy by the name of Anthony Pittman. Uh, and he's, he's been here his entire career. Um, he's about a 6'5. Very athletic, very athletic. Um, Wing, point guard, post player. He's just a player, you know. He just – he can do a little bit of everything. Passes the ball really well. Has an explosive first step. Can get by people. Will dunk on you in a heartbeat. Um, Needs to get just a little more consistent from behind the arc, shooting the ball a little bit. Uh, High IQ of the game uh, he's, he's just a special, special player. So, um, he would be the first guy that I would mention. Uh, and then, you know, some of our recruits that we've brought in this year, um, uh, Mozzie Thames, Thoms is our point guard, um, that I think is going to have a really good year for us. Um, and then a guy by the name of Khalil Kamara is another kid that has come in. Uh, he actually left, um, he was at St. Francis and they shut down athletics, Uh, and so, you know, he got an extra year to, to transfer out immediately and be eligible because they shut down and we were fortunate enough to pick him up too. So, you know, I like our makeup. We've got a lot of new guys. Um, but you know, I like our makeup and now it's, you know, through this preseason, it's, it's, you know, really trying to get them to gel into a unit. We've got good talent. Now we've got to become a team. And and so that's what this, this fall preseason is really all about for our program this year. And, hey Coach, and knowing it's just the way it
1: is, how much do you try to install versus trying to do, get them better before the season starts? I know that's always a balance for you guys. How much development do we do versus team stuff
2: in that fall session there? Yeah, you know, we we do a lot of skill workouts to start. We started classes last Monday, so today's our first day of workouts, as a matter of fact. Uh, we've got a group down there on the court right now with my assistant. And so, you know, the first week um, – weeks maybe is going to be predominantly skill development um just to get them in tune and uh you know tightened up with their ball handling and their shooting and all those kinds of things but then you know we like to on friday mornings bring them in early um gives them a long weekend gives them a chance to go home if they want to um but we bring them in early and do a lift on friday morning and then we will start installing some team stuff on friday morning. so Two days a week is probably going to be skill development. One day is going to be team stuff. Um, But honestly, I mean, you know, we run some set plays, but we really just – we like for them to look for certain actions. We like to run dribble handoffs, and and we'll run it with a guard handing it to a big or a big handing it to a guard. Um, But but I think dribble handoffs are harder to guard than ball screens, actually. Um, So we, we like dribble handoffs, and then we like to set what we call wide pin downs. Um, so we'll work on those two actions a lot, even in our skill development. So even though it's skill development, it's still working on some team concepts as well. Um, but that's probably how we'll mix it up uh, through this fall, getting ready for our season.
1: Last one for you, Coach. Coach,
2: when you're not doing your thing, coaching the heck out of
1: this this basketball team, what, what do you like doing doing your free time, man, when you, when you're away from the court,
2: man? Yeah, you know, I love to be with my family. Um, this past weekend, Saturday, we went up on the hill and um, got some four wheelers out, and you know, went riding around and uh, enjoyed the outdoors a little bit. Um, then I also like to golf. Um, so then uh, yesterday I was out on the golf course a little bit. So uh, and then you know, I've I've always been a NASCAR guy too for a while, and, and so I've I've gone to a few races and have even went and driven um, cars, and, and so I've been. I've drove a a NASCAR car on uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, mile-and-a-half track, Bristol Motor Speedway, a half-mile track, and then uh, this past summer, I went up to Dover, Delaware, which is a mile track. So, if I'm not with family or playing golf, you know, I'm a little bit of a gearhead and, you know, like to drive cars or, or go to races.
1: Well, Coach, you know, I, I live 20 miles from the Hampton Race Track in Atlanta for Atlanta Speedway. I've been to Tal Davis, well and Chicago for that road race. So NASCAR's what sports I cover, Coach. Believe it or not, that's what sports I cover. NASCAR.
2: That's good stuff. I've been to Atlanta race before. My mom and daddy went down there a couple times as well. So I've, I've been down there to the Atlanta track. Now,
1: I want to go. I want to go to the one in Nashville. I haven't been to the one in Nashville yet, but. uh, NASCAR, I'll tell you what—they're a top-flight media organization. They treat the media very well. You get a full spread. You get a gift bags in NASCAR. They treat the media oh, wow. top-flight. Okay, your assistant the next race, then? <laughs> yes, Yeah. Coach. I'm give <laughs> you my number offline. You have my number, so yes, like, go, hey, I love the racetrack. They—they they do good stuff, man. They, those gift bags and those goodies are top-flight. I must say, NASCAR, NASCAR
2: knows how to do it, man. They do. <laughs> That's good stuff. And, you know, a lot of people, they think uh, NASCAR, they're just driving cars around in a circle. And I was one of those people that didn't understand it until I went to a race. And then when you go to a race, it's just that you have a completely different perspective about it. Um, but I've always enjoyed going to the to the NASCAR and been to a lot of tracks for sure. So um, definitely see me that number. Maybe we'll hook up at a race.
1: Yes, and, Coach, I'll tell you, when I, when I interviewed her with the driver's band, they all love talking about the Talk about the NBA, NFL. They have great perspective on a lot of different stuff. So like they asked me about the Atlanta Hawks. And they do they what about the Hawks would be and the NBA and the trades. And so talking to those guys, man, seeing it also come to tennis too. So talking to tennis players, golf players, they were interested in what I do, and what, what what they do. They want to talk about the the God, the NBA, the NFL, something like that. So being around them and seeing their how they're sporting them this driving. They really like other things, too, and they really like life. It's fun to get to know people on that level where you can have some good rapport with each other. And I feel like the drivers, man, they they love the coverage they get, and they, and they love when they find out about you, too, as well.
2: Right, absolutely. I've had a chance to meet a couple of them. I went to a couple of the um, uh, the shops there and around the Charlotte area. I was a big Jeff Gordon guy, so I did uh, get to meet Jeff, and I met Ray Everham as well, so um uh, yeah, you and I've got something in common right there with the NASCAR. Yes, sir. HBCU, NASCAR. We love
1: basketball, coach. We have we have things to build off of, Coach. We got stuff there, man.
2: Yes, sir. Good stuff.
1: Well, coach, it's funny if I get a chance to chat with you. Coach, I've watched you for years, man. i I'll keep our HBCU basketball and I know. Now, i do about you on this show here, man, Coach, in front of all our people here, 5.5 million people here, the Roku. So,
2: Coach, you're out there, Coach. They don't know who you are today, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Last thing I'll say, because we didn't get a chance to mention it, um, make sure everybody goes and looks up Earl Lloyd. Earl Lloyd. I know you know who Earl Lloyd was. Um, But Earl Lloyd was the first African-American to ever play in an NBA basketball game on October 31st, 1950. And he played for the Washington Capitals in that game. He graduated from West Virginia State College at the time. Now we're a university. Uh, I brought him back in 2004 and retired his jersey and got to know him on a personal level. And he was just a fantastic human being um that was just he was just an absolute gem um and not only was he the first black player to play in a game he was the first black champion with the syracuse nationals in 1955 he was the first black assistant coach with the detroit pistons and he was the first black full-time head coach uh with um bill russell being a player coach the year before so earl lloyd was all those first and hardly nobody knows his story so look up earl lloyd and um uh, know the history of of the NBA as well, because Earl was a special friend of mine.
1: Coach, you're so right about that, man. Earl Lowe is very he's near near dear to my heart. Bill Russell as well. Getting to meet those guys at All Star games, man. Because uh, I've been in the running NBA since 2012, so thank God I was able to meet people like that and see people who really shaped our world and our basketball lives, our communities, man. It's it's amazing, you know. I mean, also, going to Tennessee State, then it, what? Richard Dent, Claude Humphrey who was right with the Falcons, and Insathal Jones, you know, to touch and meet those guys, you know, right. who are historic man. So HBCUs have a lot of history Coach, You know, I'm up there. with this. And I would I also would want people to realize that there, there's a lot of history there at our HBCU schools and a lot of
2: players come from our schools as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, Earl was like I say, he was a dear friend of mine. We we did a lot of things together and um, you know, we he was here to see his statue unveiled, which was special. Uh, when we opened up our new arena in 2014 and uh, Bill Russell Bill Russell was here and Oscar Robertson was here and NBA TV was here and all that. So it was it was really neat to give uh, Earl his flowers here on campus before he passed away that next spring in 2015.
1: Yes, sir. Well, folks, Folks, this is Coach Brian Port the Boston Man Show. at going to The Yellow Jackets out of the MEC. Coach, what's fun? We'll do this again real soon, Coach. Absolutely. Great talking to
0: you. BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV. Yes, BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV, covering content and hot topics from A to Z, sports, music, society and culture, movie reviews, you name it, we have it. Check it out on bs3network.com or check us out on Roku, BS3 TV on Roku as well as check out your favorite podcast on all podcast platforms or Spreaker.com backslash BS3 Network. You are now tuned to BS3 Network.
1: What's up, good people? Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. The latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. on your first deposit. Bet online when the game starts. What's up, family? Jared the Boss Man here. You're tuning into to the Boss Man Show on AM 1010, AM 1430, 105.5 The King. Get the King out at 105theking.com and the Boss Man Show at bossmanshow.com. Hit me up on Instagram, the Boss Man Show, Twitter at Bossman Show, and Facebook, Boss Man Show. It's the Boss Man On your radio.
0: Listen to The Boss Man Show with your host, JR. Saturdays at 9 a.m., right here on AM 1010, The King. Thank you for listening to Believe.